Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing out there today? I am coming to you from my lovely quarantine studio in the hills of West Orange, New Jersey. And I'm sure that, like me, you feel challenged during the shockwave we are all experiencing. As many of you know, I had a profound spiritual awakening when my husband died next to me in a tragic car accident. And one of the lessons I learned is that I have absolutely no control over anything except my attitude. So keep your attitude positive by staying focused on those few important things you can control, like your health, and your safety and staying calm. And remember to stay thankful for your blessings. Today, we have a very special guest who is an evidential medium, a best-selling author on Amazon and a Reiki healer. And he just also happens to be my neighbor here in New Jersey, just down the street in Montclair. That's why they call him the Montclair medium. I've been really looking forward to getting Chris on the show because one of his mentors is the well-known South African medium, Lee Van Zyl, an international teaching medium whose terrific interview is episode number three on Grief and Rebirth podcast. Chris has a passion for letting people know that the bonds of love between our two worlds are eternal and that the spirit world is much closer to us than we realize. We'll surely chat about that and all more and, and all this and much more. But first, let's take a quick minute to show some love to our sponsors. Hey, Chris, welcome to Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'd like to begin, oh, it's so great to see you and so great to get to know you. I'd like to begin our interview with this question. Please tell us about the spiritual experiences you turned away from during your childhood and your life choice, your life choices career-wise and otherwise before you became a medium. Well, thanks for having me, Irene. Uh, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big question. Um, I'll try to make it a nice and short answer. <laughs> Um, when I was a child, uh, I was very open, uh, to spirit, but I didn't know what it was. Uh, to me, it was an energy that was very playful in the beginning, so long as the sun was up, of course. Um, and I had a lot of uh, quote unquote playmates, the fantasy playmates, and I would interact with them as all children do. The only difference was that I was having full conversations back and forth. And I didn't really think that at the time that that was abnormal. I, looking back on it, I should have realized, hey, wait a second, <laughs> space should not be talking back to you. Right, um, when you were a kid, what did you know? Exactly, I was having a blast, I was having fun, not to the point where I was even talking to animals and, and, and nature. So it was full on, just a lot of fun. Um, of course, as the sun went down, the Hollywood ghost story mentality crept in and I started getting afraid of the dark or oh, what's going to happen. Monsters are under my bed, all the childish nightmare things. And then occasionally I would feel uh, spiritual energy that I, again, didn't know what it was in my room. I would hear disembodied voices outside in the middle of my room and I knew nobody was there. I didn't have any siblings. My parents were at the other end of the house. That sounds was, a little scary. Yeah, How old exactly. were you at that time? Uh, I was probably eight or nine, maybe. Oh, my. Uh, so I was absolutely just, you know, I was so scared to pull the covers over my head and just absolutely freak out and shaking like a leaf, begging for them to go away. Eventually, the voice went away. But then 
it's kind of like uh, the story of uh, Christmas, uh, <laughs> a Christmas Carol, the, the, the three uh, ghosts that come through. The second one came through, there was another, there was a hand definitively on my back as I lay in my bed. Uh, that just was even worse. And I begged it to leave. It kept on happening several times. Eventually it left. And then the third one was uh, I would be running through our house. Sometimes it'd be in the living room and this ball of uh, effervescent energy would surround my entire body. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. Sometimes it would happen when I was in my bed. Again, this effervescent energy tingling that to me it was outside of me and scared the daylights out of me. I didn't know what it was. And I was just, I was so scared by this point that I was begging it to leave, begging it to go away, never to return. And eventually it listened and it, you know, I, I shut it down. The portal was opening to me, but because I was so scared as a child, I slammed the door shut. Right. And they knew that you were available. Right. I mean, that's where they were coming through. But there was, you didn't have any adults or anyone to be cool and say, it's okay, Chris, this is cool. This is a great exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents were very um, agnostic, materialist. They didn't really think uh, heavily in one direction or another. They were not heavily religious. They were not just total atheists, but they're very matter of fact, very materialistic. We got to know what's in front of us. And I picked that all up. How'd so they have I, a right brain kid? You were, they were like totally, or what is it? The right brain or left brain? It's funny you say that because my father was an author. He wrote like eight books. So he was very creative at the same time that he was not attached to religion or spirituality or anything. So he had the creative juices bubbling up inside him and he did a lot with it. It just went a different direction. So I picked that all up but it was used <laughs> for right. the spirit. Right. Um, wow. So that, you know, was shut down for, you know, a good number of decades. Uh, as a young adult, I was still kind of afraid of the dark. Uh, I was always aware that something was around me. I, I could feel a sense of presence, but I thought I, I was just afraid of the dark. I thought I had some subconscious problem that I had to go see therapy for or something, but it was not, <laughs> it was not just the fact that I was scared of the dark. It was the fact that I could still sense a presence. I could still sense energy. They weren't and, giving up on you. No, they never did. I was giving up on them. They never gave up on me. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I started to go through a period of, for, for some reason, probably a good 20 plus 20, 30 years, of reading these fascinating books, Spirit figured they could get their concepts to me by leaving little breadcrumbs of all these fascinating titles. So for over 20 or 30 years, they would slowly introduce me to all their little concepts. And I just was voraciously reading everything from near-death experiences to afterlife uh, data to scientific studies from all the different universities. Uh, to automatic writings, and I just cool. got more fascinated, and eventually it just allowed well, me to. But you know what amazes me, Chris, is that like when I tell people these books are nonfiction. This is not fiction. This is nonfiction. These are all people's experiences. What did you do before you turned to becoming a medium? Uh, <laughs> were you like, were you your father's son? Were you like in the traditional world? Oh, I was, I was so traditional that I went into finance. You know, oh my I, God. I, I had to follow all my, you know, college classmates and I was either going into law or finance. And since I was the least logical person on the planet, law was an absolute failure. Um, so I went into the finance route. Uh, I got my MBA. I got my CFA charter. Uh, I, you know, was doing very successfully in, in uh, finance, um, and I was determined that that was going to be my path for you know the, until the day I die. Um, Were you working in New York City? I was in New York City. The whole and, shebang. Oh yeah, it's like that, and then you know eventually moved on to uh, to New Jersey, and um, it was closer to home. Uh, but I was just finding myself that there was less and less of a a, 
calling, if you will, before it was a passion of like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Well, you were hit by what you call a spiritual lightning bolt during meditation in July of 2016. And then you had an actual spiritual awakening. No, July 2015. And then you had a spiritual awakening in 2016. Could you tell our listeners about these two experiences? Yeah, that, those those were really what uh, opened, I should say, reopened the, the portal uh, again. Um, during my time in finance, I was getting incredibly stressed out. I didn't have time for my family. I didn't have time for my health. I didn't have time for myself at all. So I learned that meditation was a great way to calm myself, de-stress myself. So over the course of about a year, um, I learned how to meditate uh, every day. And over the course of about, you know, for that full year period, I became what I thought was an expert in meditating. Now, while you're meditating, you're still doing the finance thing? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, you know, I, I, I would meditate at home. You know, I'd listen to some very calming music. It was a guided meditation and I got pretty good at it. And it was like, okay, this is great. Um, I didn't think anything was going to happen. Um, and that was kind of like the lightning bolt of, okay, wow, I, I get it. I got to chill out. I got to relax. I got to like take my mind and center it. And, and I, it was sort of like the, 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 the lightning bolt of, boom, this is, this is really going to happen. Okay, I can go there that evolved to the point where one day I was in my man cave. All guys have to have a man cave. <laughs> um, I was in my man cave one weekend and I thought I would uh, elongate my meditation and just relax and just see how far I could take it. Again, not expecting anything to happen. Just thought it was going to be a lot of fun. And about halfway into it, maybe about 30 minutes into it, uh, all of a sudden, with my eyes closed, I realized that I was seeing in my mind's eye this uh, view of what looked like sort of a gray, cloudy background, and there are four people in front of me, four silhouettes of people. I knew they were people, and I recognized them, but I didn't know who they were. And two on my left uh, were a little bit shorter, and two on my right were a little bit taller. Um, and they, they felt warm and kindly and loving. So I wasn't afraid of them and I was more curious than anything else, but the one on the far right side who was tallest, uh, just attracted all my attention. And then he just set this incredible beam of energy straight through my chest, out through my back, which completely dumbfounded me because I realized, well, if I can feel it, I'm not asleep. And as soon as that happened, it was just a feeling of unconditional love that, that the word love doesn't even begin to describe. It's kind of the tip of the iceberg. And as I experienced that, I began to go through an experience that's very common uh, with all the accounts of NDEs, where I realized that I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Everything around me was unconditional love the entire fabric of my existence of wherever I was, was made up of love. And wow. everything was love. And then I came back into my physical existence, whatever had happened to me. And I just sat there dumbfounded for a good 15 minutes trying to figure out what had just happened to me. I didn't really know. So I scribbled it all down as best I possibly could. And that's when it dawned on me, this portal had again, really opened up and it was all about love. And it was all about people who were not here in the physical and something started happening. And that's, they certainly know what was going on with you. They were very aware. Oh, they were, and they had been trying oh. to get me. Yeah. They've been trying to get me back for a good, you know, 40 years or something. <laughs> they certainly are persistent. <laughs> Very persistent. Exactly. And, and that's what's so bizarre is that uh, e even though I was trying to shut them down, trying to keep them out of my life, they found something, they, something inside me that they felt was uh, that I would make a good ambassador to spirit. And at the time, I had no idea what it was. Looking back on it, I can, I can figure out what it is that I was coming from a place of um, agnostic skepticism and materialism that 
then evolved over to acceptance, belief, and then practicing the spiritual, which is that much more potent. Yeah, that's fabulous, really. So wait a minute, so now your life transforms. You're still doing your finance thing. So how, when, did you, when did you know you were a medium? It was soon thereafter. Uh, the first experiences began happening within about uh, a few weeks to a month after that uh, awakening. All of a sudden, my uh, deceased family members started coming to me in vivid dreams to the point where I was having direct one-on-one -on -one conversations with my family members, especially my parents, that I can remember to this day. I can remember their smell. I can remember their touch. I can remember the words. I can remember what they're wearing. I can remember the monograms on my father's bathrobe. And the classic thing is that all of my family members were looking so much younger. They were all in their prime. They were all in their 40s. They were all happy and radiant. And when they passed, they were definitely not in their prime. They were definitely not healthy. They were definitely not happy. So they're all presenting themselves in their prime. And in some cases, uh, prime that I didn't even know existed. For example, like my grandfather came through at one point and I only remember him as being this mean ogre type person. I only remember him ever being very old and nasty. But in the dream, he was a completely different man. I almost didn't recognize him. The same thing with my grandmother. She came through and she was this beautiful woman. And the only way I knew it was clear cognizance. It just was like downloaded. This is grandma. I didn't even recognize her physically. And then it just started opening up. Pictures or whatever that shows that. No, that that's what's so bizarre. I had no no picture of, of my grandmother young. It's like, and that was the only way I knew that was her. Is that there was there was a, there was a knowingness, a certain knowingness, a clear cognizance that wow. this is grandma. This is nanny. You know. <laughs> And then it just, it just, it kept on happening. And then I would have in other meditations, um, more and more occurrences of them actually happening to come into my um, awake state. Uh, and there were times where I would actually be in a meditation. Um, I'd be taken up uh, to uh, a, a building that was very much like uh, the, uh, the theater of knowledge, or if you will. And, there are all of my family members just waiting for me. Uh, it just it just kept evolving, and so I, I began to realize there's something to this. There's there's something constant. Anyone ever channeled to you? Sorry, we were stupid. We thought that this was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one ever said. Oh, by the way, this is a like game. <laughs> Sorry, to kid. <laughs> well, I, I had I had just really briefly. I had that experience two weeks after my husband died. My sister-in-law, who we thought was crazy, was working with a healer, and the healer said, "There's this. I have a soul here who's insisting on talking with you, and his name is Saul." And my sister-in-law said, "Saul, what do you want with me? We weren't talking when you died." And the answer was, "Because I thought you were crazy, but you're not, and you're the only one who's open, and I have messages to get through to Irene." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That often happens. That exactly. In fact, uh, twice in the last several weeks. Um, I've given readings to people who uh, they'll get their own readings, but they're the messengers of uh, uh, information and a message to their friend. For example, somebody was here for a reading and then somebody else was coming through and it was a woman they couldn't take initially. It turned out to be the mother of her friend who had committed suicide wanted to get the message to the friend, the daughter. And it just keeps on happening. Spirit is it amazes me every time about their intelligence, their efficiency, the way they know how to do things. It's it just absolutely is astounding. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I also want to congratulate you because your new book, which is titled Spirits Beside Us, Gain Healing and Comfort from Loved Ones in the Afterlife, just hit number one bestseller in its category on Amazon. Congratulations, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Irene. What do our family and friends in spirit want us to know about life and healing beyond the veil? And what do they convey happens between those lives? I mean, we actually, if we have all these lives, what goes on between our lives? Are we hanging out on lounge chairs or what's going on? <laughs> 
Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. There was, it's, uh, there was once a reading, I, for example, there was a reading I had uh, where I was bringing through a woman's uh, teenage son uh, who had committed suicide. And his personality was exactly the same, really quite a uh, rambunctious teenager, if ever there was one. And he comes in and I hear him say, what, you think I'm up here eating bonbons and playing harps? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess not. How do you know it's him? I mean, that's the way he expresses himself, right? Exactly. So do people go, uh, if they've got a lot of problems, say this guy committed suicide, would he be doing healing now that he's crossed over? Yeah, what, what happens is uh, initially what the spirit will transition. First off, they don't even feel anything. There's never any uh, physical feeling because they're no longer physical. They have no feeling of the transition itself. The transition is very much of a, a peaceful, it, as if you're going through a dream. Uh, and as they finally get uh, to their initial landing point, they're met by many of their spirit loved ones, spirit friends who come from a very loving uh, position. They try to help them. They're smiling. They're guiding them just with how to know where they are, what they need to do. In many cases, if there is a traumatic passing, like maybe a sudden car accident or something, uh, or they might be they have a, a, a mental issue. Um, they're quite often put in a spiritual rest home, very much like a hospital, just so they can recuperate. And they're watched over by those spirits who may have evolved to some higher level who are very loving and watch over them and very caring. And it's not so much, again, the physical uh, hospital rest home. It's the spiritual mental convalescent home to help them recuperate. Once that recuperation state is complete, they then are on whatever mission they feel called to do. In many cases, for example, some people were so overwhelmed by the compassion and love they felt by the people who greeted them when they arrived, they wanted to do the same thing uh, to pay it back. Mm -hmm. uh, and those kind of stories happen over and over again where a person finds that they may want to uh, pay back the compassion they felt from somebody else and they'll learn to love to do something else. Or let's say, for example, they might've been a famous scientist or they're in the sciences. They may want to then further their knowledge, further the exploration of science, further the exploration of knowledge for its own sake. Once that's learned, they grow, but in many cases, spirit often will inspire scientists and those seeking yeah. knowledge here in the physical. It's that's inspiration. That's really, that's pretty amazing. Um, so we're busy. Very busy. Oh, well, we're busy. We're busy. Very, very busy. We're busy doing our thing. We're busy helping people. Um, your book also teaches that we survive our physical deaths. The bonds of love between the two worlds are eternal. And the spirit world is closer to us than we realize. Can you explain these concepts to us, especially how the spirit world is so much closer to us? Because a lot of people think that uh, our souls, our spirits are somewhere up in the sky. Yep. They don't conceive how they're all around us. So, so can you explain that to people, please? Yeah, that's, that's a very important concept for people to understand. Uh, and you have to look at it from the ironic perspective of science, which is, is almost anathema when you begin to think about spirit. Spirit is nothing but energy. And when you realize what energy is, energy can be measured through vibrations and oscillations. We as humans in the physical are in the dense physical body. We're like ice cubes, and that's all measured by the speed of an oscillation within uh, the neutron within an atom, how fast something's moving. It's physics. We're in the dense physical. It's like, it's like we're in an ice cube or gelatin or something, as opposed to spirit that is very much like you, you could give it the equation of maybe being in the gaseous form or even higher. 
where the vibrations and oscillations are spinning and vibrating at such high speeds, we can't even see them. And I use the example of a fan in the book. A fan, when it's standing still, you can see the blade in the fan standing right next to you. You see it right there. Turn on that fan, blade starts spinning. If you turn it fast enough, you can't see the, the, the blade. If you turn it really fast, the entire fan disappears and it's not there anymore. Does that mean the blade disappeared? No, it's still there. It's just oscillating, vibrating at, the, at a hyper speed. And that's exactly the same thing with spirit. Spirit now has transitioned from a slow, dense vibration to a incredibly high vibratory rate, high, high vibrations. They're right next to us. They share the same space. We so just can't like, see them. I'm talking to you and I'm spirits all, all around. Yeah, when, when, when we mediums feel energy, when you feel energy, we, we all feel the energy. We all feel our loved ones around us. We'll feel them tingling around us. They literally can put their hands on us. We'll feel their energy as hyper vibration. And that's true with all mediums, all humans, all people who don't even think they have senses. But the thing is, all people have the same psychic senses. We're all mediums just to a varying degree. We just have to open ourselves up to allow it to happen. You know, you can uh, be a, uh, a medium either quote unquote naturally, just because you happen to be thinking that way, or you can learn to become one, or you can just not even, you know, try. It's, it's very much like being um, a piano player. Everybody can play the piano. Everybody has the ability. You just have to have the passion to do it and you have to have the practice. You do those two things, that's what happens. Is the practice of being a medium about being able to raise your vibration so that you can meet the higher vibration coming from spirit? It's, it's a combination of learning to raise your vibration to the point where you can connect to the higher vibration of spirit and as well as learning to spiritualize yourself. Are you thinking in terms of loving thoughts, uh, connecting uh, with higher source, whatever you want to call it, God, uh, the, 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 the creation uh, energy that's out there. Uh, can you spiritualize to the self to the point where you want to go out and be loving, be healing, be of service to both mankind and spirit? Spiritualize yourself, do good for others everywhere, be love, and you then start to channel spirit. You then become closer to spirit. You become one with spirit. And it's something where it's all about love. Love is, love is, love is the, the common bond. And that's how we are able to communicate. That's, how, that's why we're always together. That's the energetic bond. It's love. And we go back to the concept of vibrations. Love is the highest vibration in the entire spectrum, you've either got fear at, at the low end or love at the high end. And, you know, people will be somewhere along that spectrum. You can really feel the difference too when you're around people who are steeped in fear and when you're around people who are steeped in love. You Absolutely. And, and, and just what I was saying, you, you, you were saying we can all feel that. That's because we all have the same psychic senses, just varying to a different degree. So you also see spirit guides and angels. So some of our people are not aware that they have spirit guides. And some of the people, and some of these people think that angels are like some weird concept up in the sky. So you want to straighten us up, up out about that? And how do they look to you when they come through? I mean, as a spirit guide, does everyone have a set number of spirit guides? Does a spirit guide... Um, look a, like a person does an angel have wings what's what's the and what what are their specific jobs that's an important question um to try to differentiate spirit guides and and angels also first when i was starting to have experiences with angels at first i never wanted to even admit that they were angels because i came from a, a place of <laughs> yeah a, a little bit a little bit uh psycho i was also from a place of 
if it's got anything to do with religion, I don't want to know about it because I thought religion was, you know, just a little bit overboard. Right. There's a difference between religion and spirituality. That's so I didn't want to know anything about religion. Um, but spirit guides are nothing but uh, people who have passed into spirit who have had a physical life, know how difficult living in the physical is. They've had numerous experiences here in the physical and they've evolved uh, to a much further extent. They've just had many more experiences than we have. So they're nothing special except that they're farther along the path, as it were. So they're sort of our mentors, our spiritual mentors. Absolutely. As we they're, go through life. They're, 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 they're definitely our mentors and they all have uh, specific jobs that they have decided uh, to take on. And when we are incarnating, about to incarnate, while we're still in uh, the spirit world, we're setting up our soul plan, we have uh, seven different uh, spirit guides that we're going to be working with. One main guide who's kind of like the uh, director of the entire band, if you will, the inner band of seven guides. And he says, I'm going to be with you the entire time. And these seven uh, other uh, guides will also be uh, with you and they have their individual purpose. And then there's an outer band of guides who I refer to as subcontractors who are very, they'll, they'll come in, you know, when you need something unique, let's say, for example, you need advice on a promotion or something. Well, there's one guy who knows how to get a promotion from spirit because he's been through so many and you call him in and he's there for that one job. Once it's accomplished, he goes away. So what, what he's doing is he's putting some thoughts in your head that are, if you're attuned, he's putting thoughts in your head that you're saying, oh, this sounds, this is a good idea. This is sounding like maybe I should do that. That may be something being channeled to you from your spirit guide. The key word you used was attuned. And that's exactly right. You have to be open to it. You have to be receptive because spirit can never uh, force you to do anything because we humans have free will. They can never force us to do a thing. All they can do is suggest and give very subtle hints. And I underline the word subtle. It's so subtle that we many, many times forget it, ignore it, don't even consider it. And the example I use all the time is, let's say you're walking out of the house and you get this feeling in your stomach of, you know, I should probably bring my umbrella. Nah, forget it. I don't need to. And you go there and you come back and it's absolutely pouring. And you're thinking, oh, why didn't I bring my umbrella? I didn't listen to my higher guy. Exactly. Guide. They were trying to tell you, hey, you know, idiot. <laughs> and what's the deal with angels? So what's their job? You got your spirit guides who are like your mentors putting... The, this guidance in your head and the what, what are the angels that's a whole different they've never been incarnate right the angels uh have never incarnated they are uh, much closer to god the angels are commonly referred to as god's messengers um they're very similar uh in that they're uh residing in uh the celestial sphere very close to uh god uh they are pure love and they are trying to relay messages from god um and that's really how we humans will interact with them and it's not so much that they're trying to give us messages as much as it's more uh they're trying to let us know hey the pure love is still with you and we're here to try to get that across and there are uh a, a, you know a hierarchy of angels uh, the, the primary uh, angels, of course, are the archangels who are much like the uh, inner band of guides. They have their particular purpose. For example, uh, Archangel Michael is known as the protector guide and very much the way a protector, I'm sorry, a protector angel, very much the way a protector guide might be um, in the guide band. So they have similar uh, primary roles. It's just that their place they're coming from is different. So you can call on an angel to say, I need protection for this situation, or I need you to help me in this situation. Meanwhile, your guides are buzzing in your head with some thoughts and some advice. Right, right. You, I mean, you can call, you can call on both, and you're gonna, but you're going to hear more from your guides because they're, they've got a closer connection to you than your angels may. Okay. 
And um, I read this in your book and I find it fascinating and I think I need a little more explanation. What is the spirit world? How's it organized? You said it's organized and there are three paths to progress to higher levels. So I want to graduate and get to a higher level. How do we do that? Um, well, let's start, let's start with the architecture of the spirit world. And, and all of this comes from the 150 years of automatic writings that have been so consistent from so many different spirit authors and written by so many different physical hands of automatic writing mediums that if you were to put it into uh, a courtroom, the overwhelming evidence and the character witness would be so uh, strong. <laughs> they have all these people who have channeled through centuries and different times and all of this, and they all come out with the same information. All the same stuff. And even when you get uh, readings, sometimes you'll hear similar pieces of information come through. Uh, but when you look at it from an architectural perspective, the spirit world is uh, really broken up into seven spheres. And we refer to it as a sphere because the earth is a sphere. And as you get energetically higher, every sphere is that much uh, wider, farther out. Is it like out. a plane, a vibration, or? It's, it's, it's a vibratory uh, sense of sphere. We humans use it. The, use the concept of a sphere because we're very linear. We have to be very tangible. So we think of an elevation. But as I point out in the book, there's a difference between elevation and vibration. But for conceptual purposes, it makes sense to call them spheres because they're just that much farther out from the Earth's sphere. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And as you go farther up, it's a concept that you have raised your vibration, you have learned that much more, you have evolved that much more. Levels two and three, for example, are very, very similar to the earth right now, the way we see it, everything is very similar. Houses, cars, trees, mountains, parks, it's just very beautiful. In many cases, the colors are so vibrant, they are breathtaking. Many cases, we don't even realize that these are brand new colors we've never seen, sounds we've never heard, feelings we've never had. The example I use is if we're in the earth, it's similar to being in a warehouse with the lights off and you've got a flashlight and you're walking around the warehouse with your flashlight and it's kind of foggy and you're really not able to see much except right ahead of you. And it's, a, and it's even that, it's a dark uh, light. And then all of a sudden, somebody switches on bright lights in the, in the warehouse and you can see everything and it's brilliant lights and there are theater lights, reds, blues, purples, yellows, all kinds of colors and sounds you've never heard before. It's like you were wearing earmuffs before and now all of a sudden you're hearing this cacophony of beautiful orchestra, orchestra sounds and it's just breathtaking. And cool. as you continue to evolve to higher and higher levels, the differentiation and the finesse of every sound, color, feeling gets that much better. It just, when you think you've uh, maxed it out, you go up to another level and it starts all over again, yeah. even higher. It just keeps on getting more beautiful. How do you get to those higher levels? You say there are three paths of progress? There are three paths of progress. Uh, there's uh, one path is a, a, a knowledge-based progress where you are really learning to know everything that you possibly can. Quite often, scientists, physicists, people who are immersed in knowledge really want to know everything about uh, <laughs> anything there ever was and ever will be. And they're always trying to learn more and more and more. In many cases, those are people who are giving information and intuition to uh, scientists and doctors here in the physical. And there are a lot of stories about that where all of a sudden a, a, a scientist will shout Eureka and they've, they come up with some amazing discovery and they don't, they don't know where, they don't know how, and that's how. Uh, there are other ones that are more about just uh, the caring of mankind. It's kind of like the golden rule, learning to love mankind, learning to love your fellow man, learning to help others both here in the physical and in the non-physical and as very focused on those people that are within uh, your site. And then there's a final one, 
it's the really the, about the path of love. Can you learn everything there is about love to the point where you can absorb the divine love of God? And if you are able to absorb and receive uh, and accept the divine love of God, you evolve past the seventh sphere into the celestial heavens. So and now each one of these paths will get you there, but they get you there in a different way? They, get you, there, they, they get you there to the same degree, except that the only path that gets you into the celestial heavens would be the path of love. In many cases, uh, the other two paths will stop at level six, but level six is so beautiful and so amazing that people had no desire to even go beyond because to them, that's heaven. That's, they've, they've reached heaven. They've reached their own heaven and everybody has their own heaven. So if you are focusing on a path that is focused on love, you get to the seventh heaven and then you finally get to the, the celestial sphere. They're the higher achievers. They're the higher achievers. They're the ones who just can't stay, you know, they can't say no. <laughs> um, you say you've seen firsthand how the loving and transformative power of spirit has healed your clients and you've become transformed and healed as well. Can you share one of those life-changing stories with us? Uh, yeah, I can. I can us, Chris? Sure, I can uh, give you at least one example. I can think of one person who was who came in uh, for a reading. She had had some ex bad experiences with uh, trying to get in contact uh, with her family before. She'd been, you know, see mediums and they didn't have any connection. They took her money. They were supposed to be very uh, famous and the whole deal. And she was very, very disappointed, needless to say. Uh, so she didn't get any satisfaction, still wasn't connecting with her family and was coming from a place of skepticism. And she still came to see you. Which exactly. Is which, down. Yeah, I guess she actually said, oh, I saw your picture and something told me that I wanted to see you, which <laughs> I don't understand how that happened, but hey, I, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, it was guided. Her spirit guide said something. Uh, yeah, that's the way it always is. They always guide the client to right. work with the perfect medium. Right. Um, so this woman comes to uh, have a reading with me, and I bring through uh, these beautiful messages of her mother. Describe everything in detail. Describe the relationship, and there's just incredible feeling of healing that you can see in her face, feel uh, in her heart, and the entire tone of her voice is completely changes as you can just see this uh, overwhelming spirit love just washing over her and transforming her. And as I'm seeing it, I'm feeling it. So I'm seeing the client get transformed. I'm feeling transformed as well because I'm the instrument. So it's going through me. How gratifying for you too, what a validation. It's validating, and it's part of the reason why I think all mediums ultimately do what we do is because it's that feeling of love. It's the feeling of doing kind, doing well, doing loving work, because we're all light workers, that we're all kind of wounded warriors. We're all wounded somewhere inside. We get that healing as a result. So it's almost like we're trying to heal ourselves somehow, and we do. We wind up healing well, it's a mutual, it's a mutual, it is, it's a mutual um, seating, I guess, as you would say, which leads me to, so here's this woman who went to these meetings, paid their money, probably some of them didn't have integrity, couldn't bring through who she needed or whatever. And meanwhile, I read that you strictly operate by a firm code of ethics and integrity of mediumship. And this really meant a lot to me when I read it about you, Chris, because this is so incredibly important for establishing a trust, especially in your profession, because there are a million horror stories and um, people get turned off. So can you tell us about the spiritual code of ethics and integrity? And how can a person be sure the medium he or she is contacting is following that spiritual code of ethics and integrity? 
Yeah, I, I really good clue into who you would want as your absolutely. I, I I feel that a code of ethics is critical, especially in mediumship, but in any endeavor, regardless, you just have to be ethical. Period. Within mediumship, it's even more important because of all the horror stories that you pointed out. I mean, I could go on for hours talking about the horror stories that are out there, but. The way I operate is first and foremost, if a client uh, comes to me and we try to do a reading after 10 or 15 minutes, if we're just not connecting, then I have to refund the client's money because it's not worth it. I'm not going to take up my time. I'm not going to take up the client's time. It wouldn't be right. I'm working. I'm serving spirit. The spirit is my client, really. Spirit's coming to me trying to give messages to the client. And if I can't connect with the client, I got to give the client uh, their time back. I got to give the client their money back. It wouldn't be right. Is that a fair question for someone to ask? If I'm, I'm calling a medium and I'm, and I'm making an appointment, and if, and if you don't get anyone from me, within 15 or 20 minutes, will I get a refund? Is that a fair That's an question? absolutely fair question. You can, you can tell an ethical medium you know, from the very first question. A lot of people say, well, what's your accuracy rate? Well, that's not even relevant because that goes from a perspective of, I doubt you're even able to connect. The more pertinent question is, how ethical are you and how do you figure that out? And that's how you find out. All the mediums that I work with, all the mediums that I know and interact with, we all have the same code of ethics where you uh, refund the client's uh, you know, payment and their funds if you don't connect. You also, and critically, have to make sure that whatever information, it's like the patient-doctor privilege. You have to maintain the, the confidentiality of that client. And another thing is you can't give a client any kind of medical uh, you know, information or offering or prescriptions, or if you pay me more money, I'll remove the curse or that kind of nonsense. Uh, very important. And if there's something that is beyond my ability, let's say, for example, you need some kind of uh, mental therapy or you need some special training or a certain counselor and something that goes beyond my capability. I've got a laundry list of people I can refer you to. I'll send you on to somebody else. I'm not a, you know, an, you know, a be all end all. I, I, right. I don't know everything. <laughs> right. But the fact is that you can admit if you, if a person, you know, you've got, I can channel your loved one, but if you've got issues beyond that. Go find a specialist and I'll help you find it. I got a yeah. lot of people I know. Um, that, and you know, that's really great to know. Um, I do want to caution people listening to us that you can come to a medium and want only to hear from your father. And if your father doesn't come through, or if your personality is not that strong and your, your aunt comes through instead, that's not like, that's not, you couldn't get a message. Right. The, I, I, the yeah, exactly. To come through from the other side. That's a, that's a critical question. I'm glad you brought that up because what often happens, and I tell this to clients all the time, is you may come in and try to you know, hope that one person is going to come through, but spirit has their own agenda. They have the, the, the script already ready to go, and they brought you together with a medium for one particular reason. You're at your place in your life at this time, and spirit wants to bring through a message to address that issue that you're dealing with at this point in time, and they're going to bring through their cast of characters, they know that you're going to resonate with. Let's say, for example, your grandfather, Uncle Bob, or Grandfather Bob, uh, had an incredible experience with all this, and you really know that he is knowledgeable. He's the one who's going to come through. And if you don't resonate with your Aunt Matilda, who doesn't know anything about this particular experience, she's not going to come through. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's really important for people to know. Um, do you have any advice or insights or messages that have come through for all of us who are experiencing this current shock wave that's, a, that's on this planet Earth right now, Chris? Yeah, that's an important question. Um, it's been really gripping the Earth with a despair, uh, a, a feeling of, I can't do anything about it. This feeling of, I'm trapped. There must be something wrong. 
a lot of people say, oh, well, it's the great cleansing. Uh, I take issue with that, and I find that many of the cases uh, that I've been dealing with, um, and also with different uh, types of channeling I've been doing with different trance uh, communication, what's been coming through quite often is that this is a place where it's uh, an attempt by spirit to help us awaken. And it's taking a lot of people by surprise. They don't realize that this is getting us to re-evaluate and reassess where we all are as a race at this time on the planet because we were getting so complacent and that we were not really focusing on the full awakening. There was definitely a progression, I'll call it, uh, with many people awakening that was accelerating. But if anything, this has really kicked it up a notch. And there's been a big point on love. Focus on love. Focus on loving one another because this is a time where we all need to help each other. This is a time where we all need to love each other. This is a time where love is the common currency. Money cannot save somebody. Love can. That's the common currency and that's what's coming through loud and clear. And we're all in the same pot together. Exactly. Like this, this thing doesn't discriminate if you're rich no. or poor. So it's the great, to me, it's the great equalizer. The great equalizer, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, if people are willing to accept that and understand that. Um, what would you like to tell our Brief and Podcast listeners about the importance of healing in this lifetime? We know you can go across and heal over there, but why would you want to do it while you're here? Uh, very important question. When a person transitions, they transition to a place within the spirit realms that matches their current vibration. Very much uh, the rule of law of attraction. Uh -huh. Very much like, likes, like attracts like. So if you have a particular vibration on earth that is mean, nasty, I don't like anybody, I don't love myself, I don't love my neighbor, I don't love anybody, I am full of hatred, full of fear, full of anger, and I don't want anything from anybody, and I'm not going to help a certain person, okay, that's where you're going to go. It's, it's, it's not like you're being purged of all these nasty thoughts and these nasty actions. Religion's got it a little bit wrong in that there, there is no uh, great power in the sky saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to hurt you because you hurt others. It's, it's just, it's a universal law. You wind up where your vibration is. And some people will stay at that vibration and other people do healing on the other side to raise their vibration or they have to come back into well, other lifetimes. Well, what, what winds up happening is, let's say a person who uh, is very mean and nasty and really doesn't love everybody, they're going to be surrounded by people who are in that same boat. That's what I mean by like attracts like. They're all going to be surrounded by people who have similar uh, lack of compassion. And they're going to feel it as, boy, this plane doesn't feel so good. I don't think I like being in this because when they were here, they were surrounded by a variety of people. They didn't really understand what it felt like to be in their shoes. But now they're on the other side. They're surrounded by everybody who's just like them, and they may not like that. Over time, they begin to realize as what I refer to as rescue spirits come down to their vibration level, who try to inform them, if you begin to change your thoughts, your vibrations too will also change and you too will evolve. Many times people don't believe they have the capacity within them to change. And so they stay right where they are. And that's why you'll often hear that it takes so long for people to evolve because it's from within and we're in total control of it. It just takes a long time to admit it. So if you, so if you do your healing work on this planet now, when you cross over, you'll probably cross over onto a higher plane. Absolutely. And that's one of the great things about spiritual growth is that if we all focus on spiritual growth now, we will be that much farther along our path as we are in spirit. When we transition to spirit, which we all will, 
it's not a, it's not a, you know, a question. It's not a big deal. It's just we're going from physical to non-physical, <laughs> big deal. But as we finally go over to the spirit world, as we transition, we will be in a farther place along our uh, spiritual progression, a happier place, a more loving place, a kindlier place. I know I certainly would rather be in a more loving place surrounded by more loving people rather than be in a nasty place surrounded by nasty people. Right. I would think everybody when you come back, you won't have to learn such harsh lessons either. Yes and no. Um, the reason people come back for uh, the, the common reincarnation concept is that everybody wants to learn different lessons. Uh, there are so many lessons that we all learn. It's like going to university. You have this huge uh, book of all the different courses you could possibly take. What are the courses you want to take? What's your major? What do you really want to do? And when I say major, I also could refer back to that one of the three courses we were, the three paths we were talking about, are you knowledge, uh, golden rule, or uh, divine love? Same thing. Are you going to major in this, that, or the other thing? And within that major, there's an entire selection of courses that you can uh, choose from. And every year that you come back, every reincarnation, you're going to be in a different class. So we are here in the school called Earth, learning different lessons that we wanted to learn. And the lessons we're learning are, the, are really the challenges that we experience. We're experiencing things because in the spirit, you're not physical. There is no experiential, tangible lesson to learn, but there is in the physical. So it's more experiential. What can we experience from life? What can we take away from the experience? from the challenge, because a challenge is, at the end of the day, is nothing but a lesson. Right, which adds to the vibration in our soul, which, which gets me to tell everyone, hey, everyone, get on a Grief for Rebirth podcast, because there are so many people who can help you to raise your vibration and to heal. Um, I know that by now, our listeners really want to get your book, Chris, and I will tell them again what the title is, Spirits Beside Us Gain Healing and Comfort from Loved Ones in the Afterlife. And it's great. I read it. And it's sold both on Amazon. It's sold on Amazon both as a Kindle edition and paperback. Um, Chris, what are the best ways? Maybe some people would like to get readings with you and work with you in other ways. What are the best ways that they can connect with you? Well, there are two ways. Uh, one way that they can uh, get in contact with me is uh, obviously on my phone, which uh, the area code for the phone is just 201 578. 6020 that's the phone number I'm hey easily... everybody he's giving you your his phone number he's going to be very busy so start texting Say it again, <laughs> 201. Uh, yeah it's 201-578-6020 578-6020 okay or you can do it the what i'll refer to as the traditional way just go on my website which has everything you could ever hope to imagine uh, about me and my process and more and the address for my website is www.montclairmedium.com i'll spell it out m-o-n-t-c-l-a-i-r medium m-e-d-i-u-m.com all one word that's great. And one other question for you. How is joy expressed? Because I, I found this fascinating, your book. You talk about joy being expressed in the afterlife. And meanwhile, and then also in contrast, what's your tip for finding joy in this life? Joy in this life is very material uh, in many cases. There, there, there is joy with uh, the joy, joy of a birth, the joy of a birthday, the joy of a marriage. We, we, we celebrate joy uh, as humans. As spirit, spirit is uh, expressing joy from a place of love uh, and kindness. It's, and, and that's really what spirit ultimately is. It, joy is the, is the ultimate love. It, 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 it's a place of love. And it's an expression of how happy they are. It's, it's the pure happiness of 
their ability to be loving to each other. And the more loving they are, the more joyful they are. And that's, that's it, the, the pure quintessential joy. Right. Wow. No one's having confrontations and uh, making no. crazy over there. It's all about support and love. Wow. Chris, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today on Grief and Rebirth podcast. I really did learn a great deal from reading your book and getting to know you. And man, how cool to know we are neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irewineberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I like to say, to be continued. Many blessings, everyone, and bye for now.